There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. That's... Yeah... They have asked for that, really. France are going to the World Cup. Get over it. This fellow Ronaldo is a cod. Boom, 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 foul. Boom, 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 yellow card. Nah, it's actually bollocks out. I have to ask you to mind your language. And I suggest you shut up and show more football. Good lad. I don't throw teacups. It's not my style. I think I'd rather throw punches. What you doing down here, you shorty man? <laughs> It's probably never a great idea to read too much into the opening weekend. Okay, I'm gonna, Murph's laughing at me here, so I might have to explain. explain it usually helps just, fun. Just, when, the, s- when the podcast starts for you to yeah. have a microphone in front of you. You literally <laughs> you've just about to start talking, then you realise, wait a second, my microphone's a yard No, away. but it wasn't, that wasn't, that would imply that I thought quickly on my feet. What are you saying, Owen? It's, it's, it's usually a mistake to... Well, no, before, no, I need to explain what was going on here, right? So, I, I was kind of... Flicking through my notes here, you know, trying to get the introduction to the show ready. Then, yeah, you're right, Murph. I realized my microphone wasn't in front of me. But actually, that's not what I realized. I just thought something was askew. Mm. Something was amiss. Something's not right with this scene. But I can't work out what it is. Have you ever... Uh, my car was broken into once. Yeah. And it was in the Phoenix Park. And it's broken into... And I, I remember I had a bag. On, I know this is stupid. You shouldn't mm. leave. But I had a sports bag kind of on the... Uh, in the passenger seat on the yeah. ground in front of the passenger seat and that had been taken and clearly the thing had been opened I mean it was like I'd obviously been broken yeah. into but it took me 10 to 15 seconds for it to fully register yeah so yeah some, something, something that, is, that never happens happens I had my uh, my car clamped and removed from where it was parked but you took you, it was, you kind of just couldn't believe it you couldn't place it took me a long it was like well I definitely parked it there but I was staring at the space where my car should have been for about 5 minutes before I realised okay it's probably been clamped and removed yeah. but in the meantime I was like well Let's think about all of the things that could have found aliens, could have taken my mm. car. Uh, that's yeah. probably, I can probably disregard that straight off the bat. Well, that's, this is, I didn't know what, I really didn't know what was going on for a while. And just as I started to speak, I reached up, I lunged over. Ken is so professional, I didn't even notice because Ken's in the zone. But you noticed me lunge over, pick up my microphone and begin to speak into it like I was holding it up in the air. Mm. Like an old, an old, an old crooner. Oh yeah, maybe like a boxing commentator actually. I'm going to do it now maybe for... The, Actually, it's very heavy. I won't do it for the rest of the podcast. What was I going to say at the start again? I don't know. And you had something about how it was usually a mistake to do something. (sighs) I've done a new introduction now. We're just gone. Gone To (laughs) To read something into... Okay. I was going to say there's never a great idea to read too much into the opening day of the Premier League season. But But (laughs) I can say without fear of contradiction, Leicester City are going to get relegated again. Arsene Wenger is getting sacked by March. Uh-huh. But he's not. He's never going to get sacked. But he'll he'll walk away. He'll, he'll What's walk away. more? Yeah, okay, go and, on. And Jurgen Klopp is going to piggyback his players all the way to the title. 
Yeah. They'll actually do a piggyback style celebration when they win it with three games to go and some away game at Bournemouth or something. What's the least likely of those three things to happen, Ken? Um, the least likely. Leicester relegated Liverpool title and... Wenger Arsene Wenger leaves. to not be the manager of Arsenal on April 2nd. I think Leicester relegated is the least likely. <laughs> no, yeah, surely it's the mo- it's the least likely. Yes, you're right. I don't see I don't see Leicester getting relegated. Do you, well, I mean, do, is anyone seriously suggesting that? Yeah, well, they've got zero points on the board so far. Check They're the mired in a relegation dogfight. They are. They're not the only team with zero points. Well, yeah, but I mean, goal difference can a lot of things can change in goal difference between now and the end of the season. Um, I don't know. I think they um, they'll probably hang on. Although there are disturbing reports. Go on, get into them. In the Leicester Mercury. Of a foul stench um, overhanging the city of Leicester. I'm sorry, that was just a live update from the Leicester Mercury pinging, well, to, right. pinging to my computer, the sound of which I've now turned off. Uh, <laughs> that was. Uh, what, are they, what are they saying now? What, they're stating the, the Pong is not due to sewer problems. People are saying the smell is different to the normal muck spreading whiff. Um, <laughs> it's never good when you have to clarify that it's a different kind of horrendous, offensive smell that you're smelling. Um, we got used to the other one. Uh, Yetz Patel says Siston smells nasty this afternoon um, and people can detect the odour in Kirby Frith Megan Loach has noticed it in Bristol U.S. Lord Gatt says the whiff can be smelt at Leicester Royal Infirmary and Stephanie Howard says Glen Parva also stinks uh, one suggestion that has been put to the Mercury is that the smell could be human excrement being spread onto fields outside the city uh, usually it's muck spreading in the field, said uh, one resident. Always done around this time of year. And because Leicester's a geographically small city with the countryside right in the doorstep, the smells carry across the city. Leicester City Council said they're trying to find out because they agree that it is a hard smell. No, but sorry, one of the explanations is that there's human excrement being spread around fields. So, so someone suggested. Somebody has gotten very excited in Leicester about the recent success. And that's, not, that's no way to celebrate, in my book. This is essentially... Um, Who here hasn't, I mean, at some stage or another, but I mean, as a, no, as as a routine, I mean... The smell rising from the carcass of Leicester City's um, repeat, title repeat dream. Relegation dogfight. Uh, imagine a beached whale... Uh, somewhere up on a washed up on the shore in some extremely hot country. Hmm. That's what we're talking about here. Uh, At some pong, Ken. It, I mean, did you, did you see Jamie Vardy? Uh, you know, we saw last week it was Wes Morgan uh, being nutmegs by a player who also, in the same movement, jumped over him. Uh, uh, and, and, and also losing out a fairly basic header in the six yard box. Um, it's rever- time, yeah, reversion to the mean on a. Olympic level. Well, it's kind of oscillation way below the mean. Um, maybe if you average this out, you get something like a mean. But Vardy, the, the other day, uh, had a couple of clear chances. You know, he scores two goals. Certainly, no doubt about it, last season. So both of these are ending up in the net. Both those, go- both those chances in the first half. He ends up punching himself in the face. Did you see that? <laughs> no, no. He punched himself quite hard in the jaw after missing the second one of these big chances. Mm. And I guess he thought, well... That's what he thinks of that. I mean, he has to show the crowd that he's he's not impressed with how standards have fallen. Um, but it is two defeats in a row now. Uh, although, albeit one of them doesn't really count. But to lose to to lose to Hull, uh, this is a team that uh, had you know had such a bad are, are nailed on uh, favourites to be relegated. Uh, you know, lost your manager Mike Feelings there doing a job. Did you see Mike Feelings' interview? 
It was such a, yeah. such a fantastic uh, collection of cliches. Uh, we set us all out, uh, and he just went on like that. You know, all the all the lads and all the staff have really pulled together to make this. You know, that kind of stuff. He set us all out at the start of the interview by setting by using by the phrase, using the phrase like, we set us all, all out. He like just, he was daring the interviewer to cut the interview short. Yeah, you're going to keep asking those questions. I'm going to give you banal answers. We'll see yeah. how long this lasts. Um, so you know it's it's a difficult situation for them. The magic spell is over on a couple of their players. Um, Maris scored a penalty, but you know how long is Maris still going to be there? Is you know there's interest in him from certain other clubs. Arsenal are repeatedly linked with him. He's supposed to have told Leicester, "Okay, I won't leave this transfer window." But I do wonder, um, you know, if it's going to be like belief is a difficult thing to uh, regenerate if it's begun to ebb away. Uh, and it does seem as though that maybe is happening at Leicester. But, you know, they did win the title. So does any of this even really matter? Nah. As long as they can avoid relegation, yeah. nothing really matters. It doesn't this really matter for the next 20, 30 years. No. I mean, you won the title. That yeah. was, you know. That's true. Richie Sadler, you're, you're promising Richie's going to be with us today, yeah? We can double down on that promise. Richie will be here Excellent. Uh, today to talk about the uh, the way in which Jurgen Klopp shamed the, the game. Oh, you think so? Well, let's get into that in the report on sport. Well, I don't know if I, if, I, if I think he shamed the game. Although, you know, I, I didn't even notice at the time. But then Sorry, when you Dave, saw this... The build-up to the report on sport there was one of those clickbait articles. Uh, do you agree with this horrendous statement? Well, and then you click it. No, of course not. That's yeah, ridiculous. I, could never, I would never say such a thing. I didn't, I didn't even really notice it at the time. But then you did see this, this replay later in these images of, of Jurgen Klopp piggybacking... Man around <laughs> technical area, having gone four one up against Arsenal, and then cutting to Arsene Wenger sitting, you know, fifteen feet away, in his little technical area, uh, with his face all sort of screwed up in agony, and you thought, well, is it appropriate? Is is Klopp dancing on Arsene Wenger's grave a little bit here? Is, is there is there an element of hubris? Um, Klopp did apologise for it afterwards. Or, or did he apologise or did he say that it was wrong? He said it, w- it was wrong for him to put that message out to the players that the game was over, which he felt he seemed to he seemed to be chastising himself for the timing of that celebration. Mm. They were four run up, and then it, it, it may be that was something that sort of transferred to the players, and they started believing that the job was done. Because look, my, our manager's letting players jump on his back and walking around with them on the touchline. Yeah, yeah. And suddenly it was 4-3 and then they had to kind of hang on. Although, they, you know, that was probably the, the most defensively stable period of the match. The, what should have been, I guess, the most nervous for Liverpool um, when they were 4-3 up and suddenly they were at risk of having thrown it all away, mm. this spectacular performance. Um, and actually they closed it out quite uh, securely in the end, which may have to do, at least if you believe Arsene Wenger, with the uh, physical shortcomings of their opponents. No physical shortcomings evident from Liverpool, who uh, covered 117.6 kilometres. A few people sort of tweeting this is a record for the Premier League. I don't believe it is, in fact. Uh, It's an average figure for Tottenham. Um, Tottenham were covering that on average in their 2016 games, the first eight or ten games of 2016, 117 kilometres. Um, so I'm pretty sure it can't possibly be a record. I think it was Adam Lallana who said it, that at halftime, Klopp said to them, look, we're fitter than these boys. Mm. You know, we've got our fitness levels. And it was funny, it struck me as the most bog-standard junior BGA managerial talk. I'm sure there's more to it than just that, but come on, lads, you know, this is what the sessions have been for. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, which is, in fairness, I mean, that is part of his part of the approach, I guess. Yeah, and I mean, he's bought players specifically to fit that approach. Um, Fijnaldum and Mana Mana you could see 
you could immediately see why Mane has why they've gone for Mane. I mean, the second, the fourth goal was just absolutely yeah, glistering. Right. You know, um, <clears throat> remember that's after playing for an hour. You know, more than more than an hour to still. It's it's a combination not just of the ability to actually do it. You know, the the speed to do it, the strength and the skill to get around those defenders, but also just I'm going to try this. That's just not something that's going to that most players are even going to try. Now, occasionally, Mane is going to give the ball away doing that, doing that sort of stuff. But you see that kind of aggression. When a defender has to take that into account that something like this might happen, it changes their whole attitude. It makes them much more conservative. Um, and I think you also begin to see then the, the kind of multiplier effect that that can have on other players in the team. I mean, Coutinho scored two goals. Um, previously, I think Coutinho, you know, there's been a lot of games last season where maybe Coutinho was the only threatening player in the team. If you stop him, then you've gone a long way to preventing anything from, you know, Liverpool from really doing anything in the game. Uh, so what I mean is that you include, if you've got another sort of player who can threaten like that, then it, it actually makes your other the players you've already got that much more dangerous. You know, it's not just adding this guy. It's also adding... Um, the, a kind of a multiplier on on yeah. your other players. Well, yeah, you're pretty you're a pretty happy man if you're Coutinho, and that if that is the case, if that turns out to be the case this year. Yeah, um, I mean he scored two very good goals. Um, Arsene Wenger was saying afterwards, you know, uh, you're in a catch. I mean, it was just I thought he made such a mess of this. We're going to talk to, we're going to talk in more detail with Richie about this, but I think Wenger made such a mess of this game. Um, this is this is the game that he's known is coming up for two months. He he knows that the result of this is more important than the. You can say they're all three points. They're not all. They're not all equal. You know what I mean? We know that. But if they lost to Bournemouth, it's not as though it's going to be those three points separating Arsenal and Bournemouth at the end of the season. You know, but that might be the case with the team that they've just lost to. This was not a game they could really afford to lose, and he went into it with, with vulnerabilities all over the team. I mean, this situation at central defence where you saw Koscielny, there was a shot of Koscielny sta- sitting in the stand in his suit, looking really depressed. He didn't look like he was a, a guy who, who was really enjoying or was had had the benefit of a really long holiday, which is what he'd been given. He just looked like a depressed man who couldn't believe what he was watching and would wish that he had actually been out there to try and prevent this. Mm. You know what I mean? Um... So we will get into that with Richie. There's no point maybe going into too much of it uh, now. But I just think that, you know, he, he decided he was going to give Koscielny, Ozil, the jury of extended holidays. They, they played the year final July 10th. Um, we're only back in, in training, you know, August 10th. Uh, I think it was maybe August 9th. And so, and, and that was like an absolute, they had to have that amount of rest. Well, you know, Emery Chan played for, the, played for Liverpool. Um, he came on for them as a substitute uh, he'd been playing preseason games against Barcelona. You know, Ozil. Why? Why can't Ozil? Why can Ozil not do that? Maybe Ozil is a player who who takes longer than average for his hunger to regenerate. Because Wenger talks about this in terms of hunger. He's not really talking physical tiredness. He's talking. It seems to be mental tiredness that he's worried about. Um, I I think maybe sometimes you need to demand a bit more from your players. Um, yeah. <clears throat> at the end of it, they've lost. They've lost these three points already. Who's their next game against? Oh, it's Leicester. Well, their team that really needs a win. And they're playing against Vardy, who, you know, I suppose will have some kind of a point to prove to Arsenal, or at least the Arsenal supporters. Um, so that's uh, imme- immediately even more difficult game than, than it would have been. So anyway, as I said, we'll get into it a bit later. Yeah, what about this Dalian Atkinson news today? It's nuts. This is just really, really 
bizarre news. Um, Just for people who haven't heard the basics. So Damien Atkinson, the former player of Aston Villa, um, Sheffield Wednesday, uh, numerous other clubs, uh, a man who anyone who watched football in the 90s uh, will remember well. Yeah, uh, yeah, really decent player in the 90s. Scored a goal of the season, uh, once a 92 goal of the season, I think. Uh, he's died after being tasered by police near his father's home in Telford. So the details on this are not yet clear as to what exactly happened. But apparently Dalian Atkinson was in Telford. Believed to have been, Telford is sort of, you know, northwest of, of Birmingham. Um, he's believed to have been visiting, <coughs> excuse me, his 85-year-old father, Ernest. Um, so West Mercia police said the force said officers fired a taser at about 1.30 a.m. on Monday after responding to reports of concerns for a person's safety. The man failed to respond to medical attention and was pronounced dead 90 minutes later. <clears throat> so this death, as it involved uh, policemen, has immediately been referred to the Independent Police Complaints Commission. And so there will be an investigation into that. Uh, and until then, some of the parties to it, West Mercy, Mercy Police, aren't saying anything about it. The IPCC statement says, at this stage, the IPCC is aware a taser was used on the man before he became ill. The ambulance service attended, but the man later died. So the question there, I suppose, would be, did the fact that Dalian Atkinson became ill have something to do with the fact that he'd recently been tasered? Um, in other words, subjected to an electric shock of 50,000 volts. Um, so, you know, you've just got, you've got uh, people talking about this, um, neighbours uh, around there saying, and Matthew Bothwell is quoted in The Guardian, every time you come here with crowds around him, it's close in the community, I can't bear to think what his family are going through. Uh, Tina Bothwell said he's loving, caring, got on with everybody in the street. He always got on with the kids because they absolutely loved his car. He drove a Porsche, apparently. Um, another resident said Atkinson appeared to be almost staggering in the street before he was tasered she, uh, she said, Paula Quinn said Atkinson went down like a lead balloon after being hit by the taser I heard shouting and something smashing which is what alerted me to look out of the window I'm feeling a bit sick knowing that the poor lad has passed I don't care what anybody has done, nobody deserves to die as a result of something like that So sorry, that the onlooker, did, she, she, did she say she saw him being tasered or just the after effects of it? She said that she saw it basically because she, she looked out the window after hearing shouting and something smashing so she then saw him she said he went down like a lead balloon right. after being hit by the taser Yeah. So look, you know, we, I'm sure the details of this exactly why the police were called why they felt the need to taser Dalian Atkinson, what was going on it's, it's crazy. It's one of those because you said it earlier, and it was one of those things that you just assume. What? Like that's just it's too unbelievable to be a I, real story. I saw it, and I assumed yeah. it was. I assumed it was a fake story. I mean, you know that there are these uh, kind of fake accounts. I mean, there was the whole Forest Echo news thing during the Euros, and, and I think Twitter took a lot of those accounts off offline because they were just spreading like uh, fake information. You know, things things like, for instance. Um, there was one of the accounts tweeting that uh, there was a plane crash en route to Egypt uh, and the, the account had basically claimed Air Canada's agent has confirmed he was among the passengers right. in the plane. You know, this kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, just, just flat out kind of lies, like, which you just... So you see this, Daly and Atkinson has been tasered to death by police. Mm. You see that and you think, what? Yeah. Uh, but in fact, um, in fact, it's true, or at least... Uh, you know, as the IPCC Commission uh, statement states, the he, taser he was, was used on him before he, he became ill. Yeah. 
So uh, we'll see what the connection is there. Right, Although people will uh, will obviously suspect that probably uh, there is some kind of connection. Let's get back into the football then. So Pep Guardiola's first game as Manchester City manager ended in victory. Victory over David Moyes' Sunderland. Uh, but a lot of the kind of talk about this was, was to do with stuff players who weren't even on the field. Um, and there were big players missing from the squad. Uh, Yaya Toure, Samir Nasri, uh, Eliki Mangala and Wilfred Boney all not in the matchday squad. And Joe Hart. Oh, I can see this. Did you, look, did you see the little smile? Yeah. Uh, Joe Hart, disgusting. no, it was a smirk. It was actually disgusting. a smirk. <laughs> now, I'm, now I'm smirking. Joe Hart. I'm still just so pleased I got my microphone back. The bench. Joe Hart, England's lion, sitting on the bench. Willie Caballero. Willie Caballero. Owned. I'm surprised Joe Hart didn't get more uh, praise for manning up, you know, by appearing on the sub. You know, well, he, he mans up, that's what he does. The character of the man. You know? So, Not for him, the flounce out of the ground 45 minutes before kickoff. So tell us, Owen, what... what what do, what do you think of that decision by Guardiola? Well, it's not very surprising, is it? There was, this is, you had talked about this towards the end of last season. This is, Guardiola needs his goalkeepers to be able to play football. And yeah. I don't think Joe Hart is by any means the worst with the ball at his feet, but he's also probably not the best. Mm. Uh, so regardless of how great a shot stopper he potentially could be, I don't think he'd be Guardiola's type of goalkeeper. And I think we've established my thoughts on his general goalkeeping abilities. I don't think Joe Hart is very good. Yeah, so that'd be my main concern with Joe Hart. No, you don't think he's very good. That's true, and, and you have been consistent on that. And it appears that you are joined in the Joe Hart skeptic corner by his new manager, Pep Guardiola. Um, so there was a few uh, things about this. I mean, first of all, the City fans are apparently uh, chanting something along the lines of, "You know, if you sell Joe Super Joe Hart, you'll have a riot on your hands." Um, Unlikely. <laughs> I'd like it to be a full-scale riot. But it is interesting, isn't it, how uh, this guy just comes into the club and, and selects the, the, the England national goalkeeper who has been there for all the trophies that they've won over the last few years and says, well, you're obviously not good enough for a start. And just cuts him immediately. They, they, some of the papers report, you know, some training drill they did out in China where Guardiola and the goalkeeping and the coaching staff are... are uh, doing a drill where, where they pass the ball back to the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper has to transfer from his left to his right foot and then chip it to a, a teammate who's out on the right side. Let's see how you... Uh, let's, let's see if you're good enough to do this skill. Uh, and apparently Joe Hart's passing um, out to the player on the right was quite accurate. He, he was dropping it in. Not exactly John Barnes with the Lugside Sport into the bin kind of thing, but <laughs> he was dropping it into the right area. Yeah. He was hitting a good area. The problem was that when they passed the ball back to him, his action in transferring, controlling it with the left and transferring it to the right was so wooden that, the, that Guardiola and his staff were double overlapping. I, I may have embellished. I'm laughing. Come on. Like, it's quite serious. <laughs> I, no, I definitely, I couldn't resist adding some dishonest. Dis, I was dishonest. The end of that wasn't true. Ken, were you, you're misrepresenting the truth. I don't think... Apologize to the listeners. They were not laughing. They're too professional to do that. But they did think that there was something a little less than flowing about that action. Mm. Remember, remember Conor McGregor before he, he fought against an ATS talking about flow? Yeah. Everything's got to flow. Yeah. You've got to be like, you know, a liquid. Joe Hart, not a liquid. When in this... Plank-like, some would say. <laughs> in this situation. Imagine 
uh, a transition year woodwork class had built a goalkeeper out of <laughs> out of spare pieces of wood and had crudely uh, animated it with electronics and were trying to you know very advanced like um, you know Erlingus young scientists yeah but would you want that with that type of thing in golf for you in the Premier League or Champions League mm. you know. So, Possibly not, Ken. So this was the problem. This is the problem. And Willie Caballero apparently wasn't much better than Joe Hart, but was better enough. Better enough. Now, this is, this is an interesting situation for Joe Hart. What do you actually do? Do you say, you know what? Pep's only here a short amount of time. Obviously, he's got a few doubts about me, but I'm going to work hard to show him that, in fact, his doubts are misplaced. And I am, in fact, the best goalkeeper, and I'm going to prove it. I'm going to prove that over the season training. Or do you say, right, uh, agents, get me out of here? Well, what you do now, those are the options now, but I can't remember who I saw saying this in the last few days. The point was made, and I'm going to steal the point now, that he should have really been working on this for quite, like, they've known for, he's known for how long that Pep Guardiola was going to, realistically, He's probably known for about a year that Pep Guardiola is going to be the manager. So he's had a season to work on this, to work on the, that particular aspect of his game. Obviously, there's the Euros and stuff in the way. You maybe won't be doing too much uh, practicing for your Man City career during the years. But the point being, there's enough time to actually improve on that, even though he's never going to be maybe top-notch at it. And yeah. he, hasn't, he doesn't seem to have done that. Well, maybe he has. Maybe he's, maybe he's done a little bit, uh, but evidently not enough to, uh, to impress Pep Guardiola, who's a difficult man to impress, and Guardiola linked with uh, goalkeepers like uh, Marc-Andre Ter Stegen from Barcelona, who's actually injured at the moment, um, and even Rui Patricio. Rui Patricio, I'd say that would be a tough one for <laughs> Joe Hart to, to accept. But this is the new uh, order. And at the moment, um, Pep Guardiola is, you know, is the king. He gets to decide what he wants to do. And... Uh, it seems, I mean, just reading between the lines of some of the reports, as though Joe Hart doesn't actually see a way back for himself here and uh, might be looking to actually get out of Man City in the next couple of weeks, before, which is a very abrupt end to um, a long career there. You know, a long and reasonably uh, successful career uh, brought uh, very quickly to an end. But that's what happens when you, uh, when you hire a coach who's got a very specific idea of how to do things. What about Jose Mourinho, another coach with a very specific idea of how to do, do things? Well, Joe Hart in, in that situation, in Manchester United's situation, was Bastian Schweinsteiger, who, to be fair, is not quite, uh, not quite the status of uh, club There'll be legend. a riot on the streets if uh, Bastian Schweinsteiger gets sold. No, but he has, he has been... Uh, Widespread shrugging of shoulders in the greater Manchester area. He has been cast into ulterior darkness by, uh, by Jose Mourinho, from where he tweets supportive messages. To the players who are uh, involved, uh, gotta get them checks. <laughs> well, he's, Schweinsteiger knows how to knows how to play these games. You know, mm. he's definitely he's way up there on the high moral ground, <laughs> tweeting down supportive messages to uh, good luck guys. Let's get this at Premier League season or whatever the precise tweet was. Mm. You know, great result, guys. Hashtag the, go Jose after the game. Well, no, he didn't quite go that far. Um, meanwhile, Mourinho. Uh, is, uh, I suppose, still trying to find a way to um, get him out of there. Were you impressed with with Zlatan, maybe, is the most interesting one? Big Zlat and the little Zlats. He got his goal. He did. Uh, he's got a pretty impressive record of scoring on debuts, as the statistics have grown around over the 
weekend. But, you know, he's, um, I mean, it wasn't actually his debut per se. I mean, he did score in the Community Shield, but his league debut. Yeah. Um, Jose Mourinho hailing Zatan. And he, and he celebrated only one of the three goals. Did you notice? His own. Oh, sorry, Jose. Jose, yeah, yeah. He celebrated Zatan's goal, but the one scored by Juan Mata and Wayne Rooney, he didn't celebrate. But there was a reason for that, which was that when Zlatan scored, the game was over. Jose knew then. 3-0, that's game over. I, I, I take that at face value, would you not? Jo- Jose's strange. There are times they score a goal and he manages to not remotely... Why, why, you've got knowing looks to each other there. No, no, no. No, okay. I don't know. I thought I was making some point. You, you, you know something that I don't know about this. But, uh, yeah, it seemed like he... He, he, Jose can turn it on and off. I don't know if he was withholding celebration for Juan Mata just because we all think he wants to drone out of there. Well, uh, you think that he might have been? There? I, don't, I, I don't know. I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't say. Yeah. Um, three. If if three is the the point at which you know the game is won, then maybe we have to let off Jurgen Klopp uh, as, it, <laughs> as it was as it was four one. Um, you're basically entitled to do it. All bets are off once your team goes 3 0 up. But, um, but Mourinho talking a lot about Slatan afterwards, uh, the, uh, the golden ball was there, but it was always going to two guys with a better political entourage. So, so <laughs> Mourinho, about, sorry, he's talking about Lidl Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> he says that they've, the only reason Slatan Ibrahimovic didn't win the golden ball in this time that they've been winning it, which is to say since 2008, nearly a decade, uh, is because they have a better political entourage. It's incredible this man never won the Golden Ball. The reason he's never won the Golden Ball is because he's never actually been the best player in the world. Nobody could really have made the case for him being the best player in the world. You could make, make the case for him being on the podium. You know, that, that's, that's a... In the conversation. Okay. In the conversation. And he usually, in fairness, he was always on the short list. I mean, most of those years, I imagine Ibrahimovic was appearing on the short list. Um, but clearly he's not going to win. He's not, just not quite in that. He's just one of the next rank of players who aren't quite... Messi or Ronaldo. I mean, that's reasonable. And he's probably been head of that rank at various times. All of those arguments there. So some people might say Iniesta and Xavi and these guys mm. might have been the third best player for... Well, the, uh, Iniesta has been on the podium, hasn't he? I think Xavi mm. has, you know. Um, they did win the World Cup as well, though. You know, that was kind of... Yeah. That's all, that always does play into it. Um, his table for meals is surrounded by kids. Luke Shaw, Marcus Rashford. They're the guys with him at the table. He knows what he can be for them. Forget that he's 34. The body and mentality is not 34. It is 34. <laughs> uh, it is 34. The body is. The mentality. The mentality, I suppose, is, is, is probably 34 as well. Um, I mean, he is. It, it's, it's a fact. You know, that's the, that's the age he is. He does, he does seem to have taken good care of himself. But, you know, there's a lot of games in the season. Um, the other news regarding Manchester United is that it looks as though Jose Fonch may, in fact, be arriving. This being the Southampton, 32-year-old Southampton and Portugal defender, right. which would uh, bump up the George Mendes count mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, uh, at Manchester, we had, you know, we, we know that Mourinho and uh, has signed plenty of George Mendes players before in the past. Um, on this occasion, uh, with the need for defensive cover. And the fact the player wants to join, maybe it's a deal that makes sense for Manchester United. Maybe it's a deal that makes sense. That's it for Kennedy's report on sport. See if you don't get this out with Motherville, you're away, mate. Your bags in your desk, boom. Your bags in your desk, boom. I mean it, I'm fucking raging, speaking from my heart. Who would I want in? I've got big teddy boots here, in. 
Mr. Tate, how you doing? Not too good after tonight. You got the job on the technicality of a legend who recommended you. Take no beat, take no beat, take no, take no, take no beat. Just what's up, don't try to get so deep. You know me, but I can't yell me. I can't yell me, I can't yell me. I can't yell, can't yell, can't yell me. You have lost the fans tonight. You don't deserve the fans. Where's the fans? Just need to fucking work, wouldn't it? You are nothing, you are a fool, and you are a waste of time. Good night. Oh, the Guinness Book of Records stuff. Get a grab! He's your biggest fool. Alright, the Premier League season's back, which means Richie's back. Lads, how are you doing? Richie, how are you? I'm marvellous. Yeah, great. Uh, better than Arsene Wenger, I would imagine, who has been booed off, well, his team got booed off uh, after the first game of the season, conceded four goals. Is there? Should the fans be a little bit more patient with Wenger? Is it a bit of a, I don't know, have they jumped the gun a little bit, the Arsenal supporters? It's kind of deja vu, really, here, in the conversation we're about to have, or even the question you just asked there. It's not, it's not for kind of new failings that he's been criticised it's just a familiarity the, the, the transfer in activity over the summer capitulation did they concede four goals in 18 minutes or something was it mm. like yeah. that kind of thing and just the same kind of performance um, I, I don't think they're, they're, they're jumping the gun I know it's the first day of the season but these are complaints and gripes that they've been having for a long 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 time and I think Wenger knows it at this stage and it's his last year of his contract it, it I hope it doesn't for him because he possibly deserves better. But it could turn into kind of a, a kind of ugly long goodbye for him. It for did the come season. second last year. I know, and that's that's his that's his best defence. He can turn around and say, "Well, the, the the club's strategy or my business in the transfer market." If you're going to judge anyone simply by the end of season position, which is what we do, he said, "Well, you know, we outgun them all, bar bar Leicester, and Leicester still is kind of unexp- inexplainable." So. He's right maybe to stick to his guns in that sense, but um, also I think the Arsenal fans are totally legitimate to be tearing their hair out at this stage. Um, what do you make of the fact that, well, first of all, what do you think in general of the principle of giving players longer holidays than usual after, or long holidays after international tournaments? First of all, I think it plan- depends on the player. There are some players that will require longer than others, recover quicker from injuries for others, or suffer from fatigue quicker. Um, and obviously some tournaments, the Euros finished at different times for each of the players you're talking about, the Arsenal ones, but this is about whether or not, was it Ozil, Koscielny, Giroud, all were given breaks. But you, you, you would do that anyway. I think Wenger would know enough, and all the clubs w- would know that if you rush a player back, what happened to Ramsey could have been linked to, to the, the length of time he had to recover from the Euros. But you, you risk losing him. Mm. So you, do you suffer? He actually Wenger explained it quite simply after the game. He said, "You know, you're in a catch twenty-two. If you rest them, you've got to do without them. If you bring them back, you risk injuring them. So it, it's kind of a no-win situation, unless, of course, you win the matches in which they're not playing, which is the biggest failing from Arsenal at the moment. But, but what is what is the what, what's so draining about an international tournament? I mean, I think it's a, it's unlikely. It seems unlikely to me that simply playing a few matches last month." It's more that you were in this thing for several weeks, which you know was kind of out of your out of your usual routine. Oh, if you're in that French camp in particular, there's a lot of stresses on that. I would imagine you're at the centre of this tournament in your home country. You make it to the final. You have a couple of blips along the way. You lose the final. Mm-hmm. Psychologically, I would have thought that would drain you quite a lot. 
you know, you, if you have a stressful time at work, you generally it, it's nice to have a little bit of time time off. And I presume that applies to footballers as much as anyone else. Even going back to the opening night when Fran, France won with the la- late goals, by in tears, and he mentioned afterwards, you know, the emotional energy that was in the squad and, and the kind of pressure and the intensity of being a France player in a tournament held in France. So, but it's it's on the back of a long season as well. Like it's not like they had a long break then just got together for six or seven weeks mm. and then they're kind of weighing up then, well how much does my body or my mind need to rest um, I think it's a call of each manager because he'll be aware of things that we're not from this distance aware of some players just are dying to get back in and the rest is of no use to them and others need it because they get injured and they're sluggish and then, and then you've got a sluggish injured player at the start of a season where there is no possibility of a rest until next May It just seems so dogmatic to me though I mean First of all, say, Anthony Marshall, he played for France in the Euros. He played in the final. He that was his only appearance, though, was it? No, he, he had a couple of subs. I mean, he wasn't on the pitch much, but he was in the squad. He, was, he went through the whole experience. He was playing for Man United uh, on Sunday, 85 minutes. Um, Cedric, Cedric Suarez played for Portugal, um, was playing uh, for Southampton. Um, Koscielny, Giroud and Ozil not. But also Ramsey played. Yeah. And Ramsey was in the Euros until the Wednesday before Koscielny and Giroud were. So how, how come he's back and fit and they're not? This is the thing I don't understand is that Wenger had a situation where he had nobody who could really play central defence. and no, no senior central defender. You have to say to Koscielny at that point, listen, uh, I know we talked about the holiday situation, but you can see what's going on here. So I need you for this. I think... That's down to then the, the the strength of his principles. Like, why are you giving a player rest do you, do you, just because you think he might benefit from it, or do you think it's absolutely crucial given the work he's put in over the summer? And if we want him to perform in the way we do over the season, he's going to need this. Now, if you're staunchly believe that, and that's a view you have, it shouldn't matter then what happens to other people because you're still of the view that to use Kishelny here, Kishelny needs X amount of weeks rest. He needs to train X amount of consecutive days before he's even contention to play a competitive game. And if he hasn't had that, then we're not going to consider him. So it, it, it just looks terrible because they lost. And particularly I think in the it way is terrible. It is ter- it is yeah, so. it is. I mean, Ra- Ramsey, for instance, is the player who... Well, he, he missed the semis, wasn't he? Suspended for yeah, the semis for a while. He was suspended, but you know, he didn't, it's not like he left the Wales squad. He yeah. was still there. He, you know, and then he was there doing the, the bus procession and all that kind of stuff. It was a pretty strange, crazy epic summer for yeah. Aaron Ramsey I'd say yeah. you know if, if anyone needed a holiday to get over what he'd just been through it was probably him mm. I mean he, you know he got one but Wenger said Wenger seems to make the decision based on the fact that he was suspended for that match he can come back in like Ozil Ozil was only in to the semis as well he's still off or you know came back to training last week with Aaron Ram- I mean you, you were saying you have to make decisions based on the individual, the individual player. Yeah. Can you think of a of a player who's had more injury problems than Aaron Ramsey? Of all the players who you'd think maybe this guy needs an extra week, surely it's the guy who once had his leg nearly snapped off. But I would assume the player has some role in this decision. Mm. I, I, he must, again, I don't know how much Wenger has said publicly about this, whether he's just gone into the players and said, I don't want to see you back in this training ground until this particular date, and I don't want to hear from you, I don't, I don't care. Or whether he sits down and have a conversation. Because some of those players, without knowing any specifics, will have certain knocks that we don't publicly know about, will have been affected like m- mentally or emotionally, as well as physically, from their experience in the tournament. Just because they've all played amount of the same, say, seven-week get-together or the same amount of time on the pitch, it doesn't mean that the effect that that experience has had on them is going to be equally spread amongst them all. So it, it must be, I, I assume it has to be down in part to the player. 
Yeah. If a player is busting a gut to play, doesn't feel anything wrong, it would it would just seem odd that Fenger would 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 re- overrule them. I'll tell you who looks like they needed certainly yes, they look like they need a holiday pause for suspense. Arsene Wenger can. <laughs> Arsene Wenger looks to me like he needs a holiday. Did you see his interview after the match? Uh, yeah, okay, you've just lost four three. Fair enough. It's not a good start to the season, but Jesus, show a bit of show show a bit of fight or life or something. He was just m- miserable in a, in a. I would be very annoyed if I was an Arsenal fan looking at that interview. At, at one point, he's asked. Oh, so, you know, you're going to buy players? Yes, we've been trying to sign players. We will continue to try to sign players. Well, is it a bit desperate now, are saying, you know? Desperate, yes. And he said, well, yes, you could. Well, you know, he said, but he he kind of... He he did concede at first. He conceded that he will have to pay above the odds. He said, well, we have paid, you know, paid too much in the past. We will sort of do it again. It's it's like, this is just really weird. Like, I don't know what what I'm expecting necessarily, but even if he... Even if he has a pop back at the interviewer, mm. or or, ju- or just says, "Look, we're." Go- I'm looking at Wenger there and, and thinking, "Okay, maybe the Arsenal fans are within their rights because he didn't look to me like he's uh, this sort of full of life leader that he, that they need." Imagine what it would be like, though. You know, what I mean, for him in that situation, it's it's like imagine what it would be like to have gone through that second half sitting there on that bench mm. with the whole place going crazy. Mm. And people behind you, you can hear people behind you screaming at you. You know, that goes, that's, it's not just the, 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 the end. It's not like everyone waits until the final whistle and then lets it all end in one big belch of hatred. It's constant. Like, <laughs> you know, how do you, how can anyone sort of shrug that off? I can, I can understand him not being in the You're probably record. hearing individual comments as well. Oh, yeah. Because you're getting yeah. that big booing at the end. And that's maybe, a, oh, well, screw you guys, but I'm sure he's hearing individual comments from tailored. the tailored yeah. I, I saw someone's tweet actually that, that stewards I think were had to intervene right. around the dugout because the, the abuse was getting so whatever vicious at one point yeah. um, but it did after that interview you just think Jesus that man needs a hug <laughs> like he was he was so like he, he was so low he was so deflated and then the question came in and said does this result put you under even more pressure and just because well I don't know what you mean by that question. But he's going to get that all season now. That's yeah. going to be it. It's going to be, you know, are, are in, in as many roundabout ways as possible, interviewers are going to be asking, are you the problem here? It is frustrating, though, because, you know, it's, I don't understand his, I, he's got double standards all over the place. You know, how can he, talk, how can he complain about Arsenal being forced to pay too much for a player? Everyone at Arsenal is paying too much for everything. Everyone who's sitting there in the, in the seat has, has paid too much for that seat. You know? Arsenal are, are charging. It's like, well, it's the market. That's their defence. Mm. It's it's the market. <laughs> you know that that's that's sorry. That's the going rate. That's what it costs. And then they they quibble over having to pay an English tax because every club in Europe knows that the English clubs just got this you know lottery win um, from their crazy TV companies. I mean, it just it makes no sense. To yeah, do like that. Where, where where do you go with that logic if you stick to it? Is you going to say well because. Because they're always going to be what, the seventh biggest revenue of all the clubs in the world. I think the second biggest stadium in England. The, 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 they make the most out of this. They, they make the more money revenue, from the yeah. stadium than any other club in the Their world. Their match day revenue. So if you're if you're a starting position, you know it's not fair. People are taking advantage of it. Other people's behaviour isn't going to change. The, the football world isn't all of a sudden going to drop the prices for Arsenal. So he either accepts even that phrase we have to pay over the odds for players. I don't know what the odds are anymore. I don't know where the bar is because. We've talked about this many times. Clubs have way more spending power, which means there are very few, if any, really, really big clubs have to sell their players. So unless bids become, like by definition, silly and obscene, then they're not going to sell. Mm. 
So we're only going to see figures which we describe as silly and obscene. But that's that's the way football's gone. Yeah. There's there was a couple of points sort of arising from it. Then the fact that he decided, I'm, I'm not going to. Koscielny needs that extra, you know, four days. Uh, he can't possibly play, so he ended up playing Rob Holding. Mm. So Rob Holding is twenty. He's just joined from Bolton. He's never played in the Premier League, and he's being asked to make his debut against Coutinho, Mane, Firmino. I mean, Wenger had a quote something like, "Well, he's you know he's played. He's got a lot of experience in the Championship. You know, this is just a one step up. It's more than one step up. It's like he's never played against anything like that before. Mm. So was he being thrown to the wolves?" I suppose Wenger can say, well, this is why we sign them. We don't sign players that we don't think have it in them to step up to this level. But it's, I think you have to factor that in. It's back to your thing a minute ago. It's all well and good having a stance on what rest Koscielny in this case needs. But when you, when you weigh up, well, what's the consequences of that? It's putting in holding alongside with the Chambers. Yeah. And, and, and if that's the reality, if that's what we're dealing with, then we may have to revisit our stance in mm-hmm. Koscielny because... While you're protecting, we assume, Koscielny from injury or any kind of lasting damage by coming back too soon, you're also, as you say, you're, you're risking some kind of lasting damage being done in holding if he goes out and it all goes horribly wrong for him. Mm. I mean, you know, he, whether he does confidence in himself or the crowd loses confidence in him, it's definitely not good to let in four goals on your debut. But you I was just jumping in to offer Liverpool some praise here, Ken. You seem to be, you seem to be on a... Well, there was one other, just one other thing coming from the Arsenal side, which yeah. is Thierry Henry. I don't know mm. if you saw him afterwards. He was quite interesting. You know, this is a guy who uh, has worked with Arsene Wenger throughout his career, has uh, been back to Arsenal um, since he, you know, since he left the club. Um, seems to have a good relationship with Wenger. Was being quite critical of him uh, in afterwards. I mean, he was saying some quite damaging sort of things in the sense that. I don't think players want to join this club anymore. And, I, and, I, and who's, whose fault is that? You know what I mean? Like when he says, oh, players, this isn't, this isn't the number one destination. Okay, whether or not it ever was. Thierry Henry maybe thinks Arsenal once was. Maybe it was for a couple of years. But he's saying players don't want to, don't want to, don't want to come here. And given that Arsenal is the man who controls everything at the club and they don't have a shortage of money, why, is it, why would players not want to join? For Thierry Henry to be saying this seemed like quite a um, significant criticism of, of Wenger. I assume there's loads of discussions and, and, and initial contacts were made by Arsenal over the last few years to players that we, we never made in the public domain and they were shot down all over the place. Whether that was an initial, no, I'm not interested, or the wage discussions were just too, did, didn't go far enough, or they didn't have that thing. You know, you hear, and, and people are saying it about United now in relation to Mourinho being there in a way that they couldn't say when Moyes was there. They're saying they've got this charismatic manager that players will want to play for, in addition to being a big club and all that kind of stuff. If Wenger is now being seen as something other than that, because he is, I mean, we kind of the, 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 the talk about Wenger for the last couple of years has been largely negative. He's, he's not this kind of visionary, progressive fellow that he was painted as 20 years ago. Jamie Vardy wasn't interested. Exactly. That was the one Henri mentioned. So maybe there, there is this other issue that maybe Arsenal are willing to spend money. Maybe they are offering some kind of wages, but the, the roadblock that they can't get past is people saying, well, you know, I don't want to play for you. I have watched you and you, know, you seem happy with fourth. I, I don't hear noises of disgust <laughs> when you don't win a, t- a title. You, you're happy. Like People like Theo Walcott are just happy to be playing for Arsenal. I don't want to play. I don't want to be part of that culture. That's that's a very reasonable stance for a top top player to have. I'm going to be interested to see that Henri 
dynamic, the Henri Wenger dynamic. If this does turn out to be this kind of season, we, yeah. think, we think it might and it starts falling apart because uh, yeah, I, I thought it was qu- quite pointed what he was saying, and it was all. I mean, it was very factual. There was nothing, and it wasn't vitriolic. Yeah. But you got the sense that he's decided Henri this season. Pff, I'm gonna give some truth. Arsene Wenger through the media yeah. if needs be it's the Man United approach to Van, you know the Man United pundits <laughs> approach and Henri is eventually taking it towards uh, towards Wenger what about Liverpool were you impressed? Yes um, very impressed actually and I know it's, it's hard I, I find discussions after the opening day of the season you always have to kind of with a note of caution no you don't we'll have loads of chats through the season and we can change our mind as we go okay fair enough Liverpool (laughs) Liverpool to win the league nailed on nailed on they're they're unstoppable Um, but yeah but it was really good I mean a couple of like Wijnaldum Mane came in and did really well and there is this thing now isn't it that it's it's first full pre-season there was that stat that they covered 117 kilometres or something as a team the most of any Premier League team so it's this team now that is properly in Klopp's image it's why they brought him in played good stuff as well and though. played really I, I good they, stuff I thought they played even better stuff than some of their big games last year which were very much based on the pressing and counter-attacking so I thought yesterday they, they actually kept the ball really they played like at times the second half like how Arsenal play when they're at their best yeah which they is were impressive they were very good I mean the one big thing which is a real puzzle to watch particularly in the first half I don't know how like Moreno's performance I don't know how long you can carry that for I, I really don't like he he, he was he was it's like a time bomb. You just know something's going to happen, and and if you're playing against him, you go right. Let's get let's get at this left back all the time. So he he, he would be a glaring glaring weak point and a, and a point of concern. But there were so many other positives from Liverpool as well. That so. is that is interesting though, isn't it? I mean, it's not as though it's not as though Moreno. It, w- it was like a an opening day surprise from it- from Moreno. I mean he. He, the the last game he played was was the Europa League final, which was a total mm. disaster. You know, he, he he was responsible for two of the goals, two of the three uh, Liverpool let in, and and he kind of done that throughout the season. But he's still there, so Klopp knows this. Yeah, but he knows, but he, he he knows what Moreno has has been has done, and he's still picking him. I mean, that's that's deliberate. That's a choice. Mm. It's not like, um, <laughs> I mean, he he. He could have prioritised replacing him. He obviously hasn't. So why? I, I I don't know. I don't know how you can have ambitions to 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 win a league or get your. I don't know how they're defining what their ambitions are. But but if you see someone like you said, that, that wasn't out of character on Saturday when mm. he conceded that penalty. Everyone's going, God, wow! I didn't see that coming. Yeah. Or right, God, Jesus, this fella's having a particularly noticeable bad day. It was like. <laughs> Of course he did that. Of course it's Moreno. Similar type of penalty I think he conceded in the semi-final of the Europa League. Yeah. It was just like a push in someone's back. It was like, oh. And, and then, yeah, and even then for Walcott's, the, 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 the goal that he did get, he's even just sprinting up the pitch. E- equally yeah. as rash, less noticeable. You know, rash challenge is everyone can see, but he just started sprinting out of position but completely. I, but I thought this is why, this is actually why Klopp wants him. Well, wants him in, in terms of is prepared to put up with him mm. because that's exactly what he's doing, what he's told when he does that. Everyone, everyone was complaining about that goal, saying, "This is uh, look at Moreno. He's he's deserted his post. He's you know what does he think he's doing? He's doing what he's he's carrying out the instructions he's got from his manager. <laughs> You've got to get forward all the time. I want you up and down and up and down. And in fairness, when you look at Moreno, it's the one thing that he is definitely able to do is get up and down the side of the pitch quick all day. But there's there's a there's a thought process involved. It's not, I know I mentioned the stat earlier about the, 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 the ground that they covered. It's not simply enough to walk off the pitch and go, look boss, look how many kilometres I ran. Because mm. he can turn around and go, right, great, but the 20 you ran there cost us a goal. Mm. So there's times when B 
being positionally disciplined is what's needed. And if he doesn't bring that into his game, absolutely right, in that style of play, he wants a fullback, particularly Moreno, to bomb up and down because he has the pace. But if you keep doing it at the wrong time and you keep getting punished, people are just going to keep doing it. So he's going to have to change because it's going to cost them. He, he, like, he, he's not... He's not a weakness that people aren't aware of. Mm-hmm. He's not someone that, you know, hours of video footage is required in order to, to see this as a possible weakness. It's there for everyone. Well, that's the thing, though. Is, is, have you ever seen a player change in that, in that way? I mean, you can't really change from being a slow player into a fast player. But can you change from being a stupid player into an intelligent player? <laughs> I, think it, it, I think you can improve your decision-making. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> answer it like that. Because, I mean, it, it's there. If, if a forceful manager, if you just keep on at him and, and sit him in front of his videos, show him how he's playing, embarrass him continuously in training, stop training matches, everything. No, look, you've done it again, you effing clown. We'll, we'll, I'll, I'm happy to stay here and, and stop training every time you do it until you get this. Like it's, it's, and you, every position, every player, you, you can do that. It's just continuous repetition and whether it's, there's all sorts of different styles of management that can be used, but it's repetition. If you constantly tell a fella he's making the same mistake and these are the consequences of you doing the thing you're doing, next step here for me is you're going to be sat on the bench and the one after that is you're going to be sold. Are you playing in the 21s? Are you training with the kids? Whatever. There, there are things you can do, but you start, your starting position is educating the player. See what you're doing? It has to stop. And then it's up to the player. What did you make of Klopp piggybacking Mane around the touchline after the fourth goal? I, I, it was his comments about it after the game which, which kind of drew attention to it. He, he, I, I don't think in itself it's a bad thing. I think it, it, it shows all the things that we say are important to break morale and great relationship between the players and the coaches. Um, but he, you know, he he identified it as as, a, as overstepping the mark. That it was just it sent out this message to the players: right, the job is done. Um, let's start partying, which I think was a really good insight for him to give because then that can happen. You can get to a point in the game where you go, right, the, the job here is done. He was nearly Pardew's dance. Yeah, he didn't oh, seem to dance. <laughs> he, uh, it seemed to me that Klopp wasn't apologising for being disrespectful as such, as being complacent, as being mm. complacent. So it, it, it seems to imply that if that goal if that celebration had taken place in the 90th minute when they were 4-1 up yeah. he would have probably not apologised for it he was, mm. he was actually apologising because like you say he sent the wrong message out to the team mm. as opposed to the fact that it might not look great to Arsene Wenger that might have contributed to Wenger's bad mood now. Well, maybe he was maybe he start, was thinking at 4-3 shit I've <laughs> <laughs> seen a lot of that on TV now I mean as it stands it's just going to be my glasses falling off my head does your end up with really tiny ears or something little mouse ears it falls off a lot they fall off a lot Something's not right there. They I've fall, never seen it. I've never seen glasses fall off. No, sometimes they so fall much, off so in these wild celebrations, but at the end they just fell off. Uh-huh. They just it seems to I think his ears must be very small. There yeah. was no not the result of a collision. They just Well, he was shaking hands with somebody there. It didn't look like it was, his ears was, was wild. he was like hugging Philippe Coutinho and and he sort of tilted his head down as you would if you were like 6 foot 2 and you were hugging Philippe Coutinho. And uh I think that's just fell off. I do, a, I do think though that there are designer glasses that don't have the the hook Oh, you know yeah. the hook that goes in behind the ear that they're just like a straight line from the from the the, the lenses themselves. Yes. Well, why would so you, I think maybe that he's why, uh, would, why, you, would, he why would you bother with a pair like that? You know, I mean he's well, got good, he's Tim, got with, I mean, he's got such a luxuriously thatched head of hair that he's got no. I mean, if you if you were shaven headed manager, yeah, uh, maybe you would want a pair of glasses on those lines because people could see the hook. But in this case, yeah. given that they're buried in in locks of golden hair from the Black Forest. 
It would why, why not have the hook just for that added stability? <laughs> I know, I know, Ken. Sorry, I, I, you, listen, you're preaching to converted here. Uh, it says in front of me here, Richie insists on speaking about Gary Lineker on Match of the Day. <laughs> Insi- uh, yeah, I came in demanding that we did demands, it. Demands, it says, yeah. I actually listened to your radio show yesterday. It was interesting, Ken, and you're, and you're throwing out the question as to whether Lineker looking as good as he did was worth the work required <laughs> to look yeah. that good. Yeah, yeah. Whether the, 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 the reward was enough. Yeah. But I remember in... in I don't know if I've said this before, and, and I think a lot of people said, a couple of people said to me, you know, kind of, it's match of the day, it's a serious show, you shouldn't be acting a maggot like that, it's, that's more of a kind of, away Ma- from a match, match, of, the match day. of the day too, kind it's of. It's something like, but not match of the day. But Maybe, maybe even football focus. <laughs> maybe even football well, focus. The, you know, why, the, this is a great institution. Gary Lineker is merely the custodian of the flame of match of the day. He is not match of the day. And yet here he was, subjecting that cultural institution to like this, uh, you know, banter with him at the centre of it, you know. I mean, was that was that right? Well, before I get steaming into that, whether it's right or wrong, I was involved in a, a not dissimilar incident. Premier Soccer Saturday was, was Ortiz equivalent. Premier League highlight show, obviously, on a Saturday. And myself and Kenny Cunningham were the panellists. Darren Maloney was the guest. And Kenny, you've met him off camera a load of times, there's a side to his personality which doesn't always come out when he is broadcasting. So we were down in the makeup area and he happened to notice in the wardrobe area, which was adjoining it, there was these massive um, costumes of big furry animals. Right. So one was Pink Panda, one was a big panda. <laughs> so Kenny goes, Richie, come on, let's put, a, put one of these on each and just stroll in into the studio and say nothing. Now, this, is a kind of, this is a kind of wacky humour. Kenny was up to this day and I thought, oh, God, really? So we did that. So we, wa- so we walked into the studio. I think I'm the big panda. Kenny's the panda. Uh, uh, the pink panther. panther. So we, then we sit in the, the, in, the, in the studio and then the producer comes over and says, actually, lads, can you put them back on? We just want to take a still of it and maybe use it down the road for a competition. It then escalated to Kenny going, why don't we wear it on air when the programme starts? And I kind of I laughed like you were just laughing there going, oh, he's, he's not surely. So we did. So when the cameras came on, Dara said hello and I said joining me this evening a panel Kenny and Richie will be here to share their views and the camera panned to us and you see the two of us there you don't know it's us at this point I'm kind of got big panda head he's, he's pink panther and we're just kind of nodding away as in yep yeah, we're here to give our views and then the camera then cuts to the opening game and when it came back we'd removed <laughs> we'd removed the panda head and pink panda head it were you got, still wearing the panda and pink panther outfit no we, okay. we were wearing suits so the okay, only thing okay. we were covering our, was our head now I wouldn't normally if you asked me to put on a silly hat I wouldn't have done it because you would have seen my embarrassed, embarrassed face, face. Yeah, and yeah. there's just going to be a photo of that but I'm amazed it got absolutely no coverage whatsoever <laughs> what year was this what, what, what year did this happen oh we're talking I, well I'm pre-Twitter guessing, anyway. Oh, yeah. pre-Twitter, yes, pre-Twitter. I think it's oh eight, oh nine, oh eight, oh nine. Well, no, no. When did I start doing them? Shows? I don't know. Ten or eleven, maybe. Oh, that. Oh, that, that, well, that's ten or eleven. It's relatively the, recently. The yeah, I, think, I think we can go and have a look. Yeah. That's yeah. the age of pausing the TV and taking a photograph oh of it. Yeah. There was, and there was no reaction. Hang on, you're no, nothing two, whatsoever. Two, I remember. I remember. Oh the, like there is an internal meeting in RT every Wednesday where they kind of just reflect on the previous week's sporting output, and it's in the sports department. Yeah. And I think the producer was in kind of in the hot seat, going, "What? Like explain?" And there was no explanation because it was just Kenny going off on a solo run, and we just allowed it. 
So I'm not in any position to sit here and say Gary Lineker is degrading the institution match of the day. I Even think the fact the that I wore head. a panda head. I think the panda head is more, uh, with the suit, is more spectacular than a full panda suit. It was around Halloween as well. If that narrows your search, you're obviously going to go looking for the footage. Oh, yeah. No, I think Thank we definitely you. will be. Richie, thanks for, thank you for sharing, as they say. No problem at all. And thanks for coming in. Murph, for somebody who once dressed as Mick Galway's sister live on TV. Amongst other things, yes. Um, I can see that your admiration for Richie has just shot through the roof there. Uh, well, my admiration for uh, Mr. Sadler is always sky high. My admiration for Kenny Cunningham. Oh, well, that's... Yeah. Yeah, that, no, that is... That has definitely taken a, a great leap forward. I think Kenny Cunningham... I, 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 Richie was saying that he doesn't feel that that side of Kenny's personality always comes through. Mm. And that maybe was true for a while. I think we've seen enough of Kenny over the years to know that while the Cunningham-Dunphy dynamic didn't quite bring out the best in either man, yes. the, Dunf- the Cunningham with anyone else dynamic uh, usually it's shows him to be quite a warm guy who has a, a nice wit and humour. I mean, I, ju- I just didn't see him as a, you know... Stand-up kind of... Pink well, Panther yeah. head no, no, I didn't think it was going to be... Costume-wearing uh, kind of guy, but there you go. Big night for Irish football on Wednesday, Ken? Yes, uh, this is Dundalk against Lagia Warsaw, um, which is the first leg of the Champions League... Uh, playoff and you know, win this they get into the group stage of the Champions League yeah. pretty amazing yeah. so this is obviously at the Aviva and you can still get tickets tickets are between uh, 5 euros for kids and 30 euros but most of them are about 15 well category 1 uh, 30 euros tickets for 15 for Dundalk supporters and there are tickets also available for 10 euros so pretty pretty decent prices actually to see Champions League football in Dublin which doesn't happen too often. Yeah, right. Good idea to keep them low as well. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, hopefully there's a big crowd and a uh, good result. Martin O'Neill has offered his support. I don't know if you saw the clip after. I did. Oh, I did, yeah. yeah he went, did he? Martin O'Neill knows how to work a, dr- a football dressing room, if mm. nothing else. So it was, I can't even remember who exactly he was. Uh, was I, d- I don't know why there was a Dundalk player who's walking around completely starkers. I well, mean, well, well, he, the area he, was pixelated, so I presume there was something... But did he make any any effort to cover up, or did he just continue to stand there? Did, did, the he, pixels, did he pick up a towel, or I think maybe later in the clip he picked up a towel. Yeah, fair play, fair play to him. I mean, but Martin O'Neill came in, told them they were extraordinary. Told them, no, seriously, you're amazing, you're extraordinary. Then cracked a gag about one of them being able to pass. It was the Steve, ball it was Steve O'Donnell, yeah, because he was that, yeah. He could, it was hard to see who exactly he was pointing to, but then afterwards he was talking about the inspirational skipper, yeah, yeah. And as soon as he uh, learned to pass it, everyone, it was like. Everyone was blushing with the praise that Martin O'Neill was giving out, and then, uh, then he just uh, expertly owned, just pricked it with that little Absolutely. that dash of irreverence. Well, best of luck to Dundalk. We'll be talking about that loads on uh, on Thursday, I'm sure. We have got another podcast out today, including a chat with Ewan McKenna, 
who put Mo Farah in an awkward enough position at the press conference after Farah's 10,000 metres gold on Saturday night in Rio. There's a lot of Olympics talk in that. There's also a great hurting chat after it, the biggest hurting weekend, probably most dramatic in quite a few years, I would say. Thanks very much, Ken. Thank you too, Owen. Thanks, Murph. Thank you, Owen. Thank you, Ken. Thank Thanks you very girl. much for listening. We will talk to you very soon. Take care. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys.